In our previous episode, we go through the legal process of buying a property in Singapore. Today, we're going to reverse the position and answer the question, what if you're selling your property instead? There are many things a lawyer has to do for you, like checking your outstanding mortgage loan, whether CPF money has been used, and many more. Again, we want to make sure this whole process is easy to understand, so we have a lawyer who will be using many examples and layman terms, and I'll be asking all the clarification questions. For example, how should you as a seller avoid potential disputes? How do you negotiate the terms with your buyer, including extending your stay at the property if you need to? How are the proceeds split after covering costs? What happens if someone passes away and the family has to sell the property? And if you're selling to buy another property, what do you need to take note of, especially if you do not want to incur ABSD, additional buyer stamp duty? We cover all these different scenarios to help you understand what does lawyer do for you when you sell your property? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chew with TFC episode. If you got here from Coconut Avenue, I want to say hello to you. Coconut Avenue is our property podcast. You can check out all our different content at thefinancialcoconut.com. Over here at Chew with TFC, we talk to interesting people with relevant experience and insights to help us learn from their perspectives so that we can create the life we love and manage our finances well. Once again, we have Hui Yu, who's a legal associate at Apex Law, who's going to share with us on the legal process of selling a property in Singapore. In the last episode, we talked about the legal process of buying a property. We've got Hui Yu to share with us. So as a buyer, what should you take note of? Definitely listen to the previous episode of this podcast to find out you know, everything you need to know about how a lawyer can help you in the process of buying property so that you know what to look out for. But today, we're going to focus on the seller portion. Okay. As a seller, how does a lawyer help in the whole process? Okay, so for seller, what you are focused on is, of course, to get your monies at the end. Mm, get a, get <laughs> a good deal. Get a good deal mm. and then uh, get back what you should be getting back. Okay, so for selling of the property, usually the property is being marketed by an agent or nowadays sometimes there may be some who market on their own. And uh, in selling the property, what you really want to ensure is that all the monies that you want to gather back will be rightfully returned to you. So in selling the property, what the lawyers are helping you to do is to help you to discharge whatever outstanding monies you have, mainly that will be with the mortgage, so your bank loan, or maybe a HDB loan, and then the other one will be for the CPF. So in Singapore, we have these special rules for CPF. So mm-hmm. any amount that you use from your CPF previously, including accrued interest, we do have to return back to your own CPF account. Okay, but mm. how does a lawyer help in that process though? So we will help the transaction. So in the buying part, the buyer's lawyers will actually prepare the documents. For the selling part, we will also help you prepare the documents. So for selling, there are some other documents which are like the seller's stamp duties. So we will check to ensure that you're not liable for any seller's stamp duty. Then we will also check 
and make sure say when your titles come out, we can actually transfer this instrument over to the buyer. Mm, when I say instrument, do you mean the property? Mm, yes. So there's okay. a title related to each property. So we actually help you to check through and then make sure that you can transfer over. Okay. So you used the, mm. the term discharge just now. Mm, so well, let's, I'm the seller in this case. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I sell it at a price higher than what I bought it for. Yes, and I might have some outstanding loan. Mm. So I need to make sure I cover that part. And correct. if I'm using my CPF to pay mm-hmm. for the loan, uh, in, in Singapore, you need to not just return back the money, but correct. also pay the 2 accrued interest. Yes, the accrued interest. Okay, Mm. to my ordinary account, to my OA. Okay. Mm. And then there's a seller stamp duty. Mm. Tell us about the seller stamp duty. Okay. So the seller stamp duty have been revised uh, many times actually. So right now the latest one, lah. Uh, if you bought your property after 2017 and you're looking to sell it for a property that has you have only held it for one year or less, you are charged seller stamp duty at 12%. If I held it for one year, one year or, or less, less. is mm. how many percent? 12%. 12%. Okay. Yes, it's very high. Mm. What? Yes. <laughs> I mean, as the buyer, I have to pay buyer stamp duty. Mm. And then I might pay additional buyer stamp duty if I have more than mm-hmm. one property. And then now in this case, when I'm selling, I also have to take note that if I held it for less than a year. Correct. Ah, uh, okay, That's okay. 12%. Okay, I'm guessing why mm. they have this policy in place. But okay, <laughs> not too convenient to say, ah, okay, okay. Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, but okay. more than a year. Uh. So uh, if it's two years, less than two years is 8%. Mm. If it's less than three years is 4%. Okay, then okay. only if you have held it for more than three years, then you're not charged any buyers, uh, any seller stamp duty. Okay, more than three years, zero. Mm, yeah, good to go. Seller stamp duty, Correct. good to go. Okay. Mm, so there's one thing we'll check in for you. Uh, we'll see when you actually purchase this property and whether you're liable for any of this seller stamp duty. Okay, mm. okay. Then for your bank loan, we will assist you to actually notify your bank that now you're selling the property and we will help you to redeem the bank loan. So when you're redeeming a bank loan, some uh, may not know of this, but sometimes bank loans come with conditions. Mm-hmm. So if your you mind, pay off the amount yes. earlier than expected, you Correct. have to pay a fee or something. Pay a penalty. Okay. Or, uh, so that is what they refer to as a lock-in period or mm. the prepayment period. Yeah, so some clients may not know this, but there are certain dates that you may have to repay the bank or when in example of a sale, then the bank may waive the charges that are required. So as the law firm, we actually write into the bank for you and we assist our clients to serve the required notice and to finally discharge whatever charges they have on the bank uh, on the title. Mm. Mm. So you do the checking for us, for the mm. clients. Correct. Okay, that's what the lawyer is supposed to do. So how does the, the money flow in this case? Like mm. You all will handle how the money flows ah, as well? Yes, yeah. correct. So uh, for our sellers, we simplify it and we'll let them know, okay, on the end, at the end of this day, just come by, you can pick up a cashier's order. So okay. that's all they see. Oh, you're talking to the buyer <laughs> yeah, as well, right? Uh, the will seller. you see the buyer? Mm, mm. We, we will actually see the buyer's mm. uh, solicitors. Okay. So when we do the transaction, we will pick up all your documents. The buyer's solicitors will come to us with their cashier's Check. order, the yeah, check, like, right. yeah. It must be cashier's order actually. Mm, so we guarantee the payment. Okay. Mm. So they will come by, we will check that all the payments have been made, the documents are in order and we'll do an exchange of the documents. Okay. So we'll give them what they need to transfer the document into their name and then we'll take your payments for you. Okay. So the payments to you, right, will actually be already specified uh, how much is required to go to the bank, how much is required to go to your CPF. Mm. We will have already sorted that out for you so you don't have to make a second payment to actually apportion it out. Mm. So mm. when I come into your law firm to collect mm. my cashier's order, that yes. amount has already been deducted. 
Correct. Like the amount to the bank loan and the amount mm. to the CPF has Correct. already been deduct- deducted from the cashier's mm. order. Yes. Okay. In some scenarios, we even help our clients to deduct for their agent commission. We help them to pay straight to the agent. Okay. And also for our legal fees, it's directly deducted so they don't have to make an additional payment. Lah. And also seller's stamp duty if any. Uh, seller's stamp duty, usually we will do the payment then they do have to repay okay. us depending on the amount actually because there is a maximum amount that the law firm can receive. So sometimes if it's a higher amount, we will advise them they can put out a check and then we will help our sellers to do the check payment. Oh, okay. So because seller's stamp duty, likewise, they have a due date from the exercise of option. Mm, so that due date must be met. So that cannot be from the sales proceeds. Mm, so this mm. maximum amount that a law firm can receive is just a, a legal requirement. Yes. Don't handle it beyond mm, this amount. Correct. Is that correct? Mm. Okay, so in that case, I might have to pay directly. You have to pay directly for that. Mm. Okay. Well, this is a part for horror stories, you know, any <laughs> difficult cases, challenging cases that you've handled for your clients when it, come to, when it comes to selling a property. Selling a property is usually upfront, it is more straightforward mm. because right now we are just clearing off all the checks. So for horror stories... For sale is say for example when the sale is not completed on time yeah so we do have purchasers who suddenly come in and say oh we don't have enough funds mm. and they don't want to proceed with the purchase and at this point you have already received the five percent deposit uh, but you're wondering oh now i can't sell my property so what will actually proceed from there Mm. Mm, so we did recently have such a case where the buyers can't proceed okay so so they're giving up Mm, on they buying are giving the property. Up. Okay. Mm, okay. So we do have to resolve it. But usually for the seller, they will receive their five percent last deal. Because if they have already given up whatever right, deposit, they are already 5%. given okay. up. So mm. in this case the, the seller will have to work with the agents or, mm. or just look for another buyer. Correct. In mm. this case. But the, yes. the law firm would not help you on that already, right? Uh okay. So what we did help our client on is that when the purchasers give up, we do uh, reserve our clients' rights to actually claim for all their interests. Uh-huh. So they are protected. Okay. Mm, but in real life, you know, sometimes you want to claim everything, but it's not always the sense, the sense that you can claim everything. So in that case, actually what the sellers can claim for is that uh, their agent's commission because they will have paid up half of it to the agent already. And then, uh, so any losses that they have faced, if say they find a replacement buyer, if the replacement buyer's price that they are offering is actually lower, Mm. that is in a sense a loss that our client have faced. So we did have to finalize it. We did follow up with the buyers to send them a letter. Mm, But, you know, reality is okay. that this purchaser has already faced such an issue that they are not able to afford to purchase the property. Okay. Usually what the seller will get in this scenario, particular scenario is they'll get that 5%. Mm, so it is mm. within, let's say I'm the seller, it is within my legal rights to, to make, mm. make a claim. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm selling at a, a lower price because, mm-hmm. you know, you suddenly you tell me you don't yes, want. Yes, correct. Okay, or my agent commissions. Mm, and therefore, I can attempt to claim it from mm, the previous correct. buyer who gave up on, on buying the property. Mm. But I might, might or might not get it. It's yes. all legal process anyway. Yes. Okay, how else can I protect myself as a seller? Honestly, this is a bit difficult in this scenario mm. because, you know, when you have a contract there, that's really the best you can do. In this case, actually, when you have that 5%, it was actually sufficient to cover all the losses. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, there's so, always the 5%. Mm, so okay. this 5% is actually quite 
good in this sense that the seller, their rights are still protected up to that point. Okay, mm. okay. So the, the 5% still protects you to a certain so extent. extent and then yes. just need to take some time to look for the next buyer in yes, this case. correct. Mm. Okay, so is there a, a difference in legal process when selling a HDB versus a private property or, mm. or landed? Ah, okay. Mm. So selling in the same sense is that, okay, so HDB as usual is also governed by HDB. So when you sell the property, you do have to get HDB's approval. So they do have a resale portal for you to get your application on and then they will let you know when the completion date is. Mm, so selling in the same, uh, I think we discussed this in a previous podcast, is that if you request for an extension of stay, it's only up to three months. Mm, that's mm. right. So previously, in our mm, mm. Uh, previous episode, we talked about mm. you know the fixture missing or yes. the, the seller in this case needs to extend mm. uh, the stay in the apartment. Although Correct. he or she has already sold it. So mm. in this case, well, now we are talking about it in reverse, right? Yes. So now I'm the seller, but I might not have found a new place. Mm. So you'll help me negotiate with the buyer to extend my mm. stay, for example. Yes. Yeah. So for HDB, it's up months. to three months. For private, it's up to your own decision. Agreement with the buyer. Lah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Any other differences uh, in the selling process for between HDB and a private property? Mm, okay, so when you are selling private properties, if you already have a paid up property, fully paid up property, we do have uh, instances before where the seller was unable to produce the title search, uh, the title documents to the property. Okay. So this one point, like sellers do have to take note when you have important legal documents, these are required for the process. If you are not able to produce such legal documents to actually sell the property, we do have to make in uh, additional applications. So that may delay the completion. Mm. Is that the title mm. deed or is it more than that? Title deed. Title deed. Mm. Okay, so you must have the, the hard copy, right? Of the title deed. Yes, that is if a property is fully paid up. That mm. means there's no if outstanding loan. not the title deed is with the bank. Yes, That's correct. Right. If, okay. if you still have a loan, then you don't have to worry because, you know, the title deed is being It's with helped. the bank, definitely. Yeah, so uh. we can find it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So let's say I, I lost my title deed. Then mm-hmm. you have to, the lawyers will have to do their whole magic to find out, to get a title <laughs> deed from which body? Uh, so it will be from Singapore Land Authority. Okay, that and then there will the be regist- costs mm. and time involved. Yes, correct. Mm. Mm. How much is it to, to get a title deed though from SLA, uh, Singapore Land okay. Authority? So, okay, so there actually ranges for the legal fees is around 2000 as well. Mm, okay. mm. So because in applying for the title, uh, Singapore Land Authority will have to certify that you know this uh, property title deeds uh, is actually belonging to you. You're not just someone who is coming in and then claim mm-hmm. that this property is yours. So there is a legal process. There are some declarations to be signed and lodged with Singapore Land Authority. Then they will be able to process it and produce a fresh title. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
talking about legal fees, so let's say I'm mm. selling a property. I know mm. it ranges. Yes. So roughly how much legal fees should I be paying? For HDB properties, usually it starts from 1005 onwards. For private, it will be around 1008 to 2000 onwards. Mm. Okay. And are there any other complications which could cause a higher legal fee? So for example, like if you're selling the property and you wish to have a letter drafted to say that you are going to stay in the property earlier or maybe in this case is that the buyer requests that you hand over the keys to them earlier. So mm. this is quite common for uh, sellers as well to face requests from their buyers say, oh, I can only pay you uh, next month, but can you please give me the keys first because okay. I want to start my renovations. Uh, so, so the seller mm, agrees. Yes, they can agree. Uh-huh. Uh, but in this case, we will come in and say, okay, uh, we will want to protect your rights mm. because you are still the legal owner of the property and the buyers are going to start on their renovations. So we want to make sure you know your rights are protected during this period. If anything happens, the buyers do have to bear the liability. If say in between halfway, they renovate halfway and decide, oh, I don't want to buy the property, what will happen in this case? Okay. Mm, so, what will happen? <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> so yes, our letter that we draft actually is the say that the seller have a choice they can keep the renovation as it is or they can ask the buyer to reinstate it to how Ah. it was Okay, okay. Mm. So there are, there are ways to protect myself as a yes, seller in this correct. case. Mm. Okay, and so, of course, I, I need to protect myself, but I shouldn't be taking away the fixture like we mentioned previously, <laughs> yes, right? If not, then, mm. then I'll be in trouble and the buyer will find yes, it for it. Yes, correct. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so that way incur uh, additional costs where we draft additional letters. Lah. Mm. Mm. Okay, so this is the part where the, the lawyers can help you, but it mm. incurs additional costs. Mm, okay, so when it comes to selling my property, previously we talked about ownership, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to splitting the proceeds from selling a property, mm. how does the ownership structure come into play? Oh, okay. When we actually split the proceeds, right, we will check with the clients. Okay, so when it's a spousal relationship, sometimes they are agreeable to just say they have it in either or names. So they either of them can actually receive the sales proceeds. There are also some who detect and say, oh, I want it 50-50. Oh, okay. Mm. So it's actually agreement between the owners. Uh, not necessarily you have to tie it to the ownership structure. So perhaps a couple comes in and then say, oh, okay. In their title, it states that one person owns only 30% and the other person owns 70%. We can split the sales proceeds on behalf to say that one person will be receiving 30% and the other one receiving 70%. But if uh, mutually you guys have agreed, we can also do in a sense that you receive a final cashless order in either of your name and you can apportion it accordingly. Okay, so mm. it can be either 50-50 or 70-30, mm. y'all will split it for them. Mm. Or you know, I just come in and you know, one person's name gets all yeah. of the money and then they can privately, they privately. Can, can do it mm, themselves. Correct. Okay. Mm. So when uh, we also come in when it's a case where it's not the sale between friendly parties. Okay, Maybe yeah. there's a sale between divorcees mm. Mm. or say there's a dispute over the monies or maybe it is from the estate of a deceased and it's actually to be paid out to beneficiaries instead. So we can actually say we will be authorized and then we will have to get all the information in order to say who are the sales proceeds going to. Okay, mm, so let's, let's talk verify. about selling uh, in the event that someone passes away. Mm. Okay, so some, sometimes you sell because the, the person passes away and mm. then it's part of the estate. Uh, it has mm. a bit of complication, right? Okay, yes. Yeah, so the complications come in because in the legal process, it's more 
complicated in this sense. When someone passes on, you do have someone to step in to say what happens to this as uh to this property. Mm. So if it was in the will, uh the person have put it in the will to say that this property will actually belong to my beneficiaries, for example, and then there will be an executor. Okay. So this complicates things because there are different parties being involved. So mm. as lawyers, we will actually look at what the will states and then who will be the one who will be in charge of selling the property, whether they have the right to sell the property, and then what will the sales proceeds be going to, going to the estate account, and then after that, they can distribute it lah. So that side is when there's a will. Sometimes some may pass away without a will. So it actually has to be distributed in the interstate law, mm. according to interstate law. So where there's no will, they do have to have a family member to apply for a grant of letter of administration. Mm. Mm. Okay, LOA, letter so, of yes. administration. Okay. Yes, correct. Mm. So when they apply for this grant, they will have someone who will be able to administer how the estate will be distributed. Mm. Okay. So there is a different legal process because you have to get the legal rights to actually sign off as a sell- seller of the property. Okay. And we do have cases that come in and then uh, you are an- only verify whether there is uh, that legal right at a later stage. Sometimes they do have to do further procedures to get that legal right in place. Okay, so mm. you have to be the administrator of the estate, which in this case mm. includes more than the property itself. Mm, but in order correct. to sell the property, you need to mm. have the grants of letter of administration. Mm. Well, you're not the owner in this case. Um, mm. um, is that correct? Yes, yes you, you not just, the owner. You just, uh, you, you're just managing the estate. Correct. Right. Mm. And then let's say the family members come together and they decide to sell. And mm. after it is sold, then you split the proceeds accordingly. Correct. Mm. According to the agreement, we previously talked about it, right? It can be 70-30 mm. or 50-50, depending on how ah, many parties there okay, are, of so course. so that's yeah. not actually tied to the ownership. Mm. So that's more tied to who is the one who should benefit from the will or from the interstate law. Okay. Mm. So when the disease passed on, well, the disease would probably have owned his share of the property. So that share of the property, whatever he has owned previously, will then be passed on. Okay, mm. let's see if I've been a good student and <laughs> remember what Huiyu has taught me, right? Yes. So it also depends on whether it's a tenants in common or mm. joint tenants, right? Correct. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, as a only under tenants in common, then I can will it. Correct. Will the, yes. my, my portion of the property yes. to, to somebody mm. that I give it to, right? But mm. for a joint tenant, mm-hmm. in, in this case, it just automatically goes to whoever are the remaining... The remaining owners, yes. So for joint tenants, uh, there's not so much of an issue of selling. If one of the joint tenants is deceased, then it will be passed on to the remaining owner. And they sell and they own it, they sell it? They own it and then they sell it, yes. So that's settled. Mm. So it's when there's a tenants in common. So maybe the person who deceased is uh, owning only 30%. Then this 30% is passed on to the beneficiaries in the interstate law or in the will. So that comes in and then um maybe usually you don't sell just 30% of the property. Lah. Yeah, you sell 100%. Yeah. Usually yeah, nobody buys. Correct, okay. correct. That makes sense. That mm. makes sense. So all parties have to come to an agreement. Yes, so the 70% person will also agree to say whether they want to uh, sell the property to maybe the 100% to someone else. Oh, so or- if the 70% is not willing to sell, then there's no deal, right? Mm, then the 30% okay. themselves will then, okay, they, just they just receive it. Okay. Yes, they have to receive it. Mm, then, uh, but most of the cases, they will come to an arrangement. Sometimes we even have, say, like the 70%, they just want to buy over the 30%. So ah, they okay. become the full ownership. 
Mm. Uh, to make things easier. Yes. But I can see how this can get quite complicated. complicated. Yes. And that's where you need a lawyer. <laughs> because <laughs> correct, I, I'm correct. sure it's, it's very difficult to handle. Mm. I mean, we're t- talking about somebody who's deceased and then mm. he or she might have a few children mm. and then according to the will or let's say no will, mm. interstate law. Yes. And then it, the, it actually passes on to the children. Right, and then the children have children. <laughs> and, and therefore, yeah. all should have an equal share, right? According to the law in Singapore. Mm. Uh, okay, yeah. interstate law, if you are a single parent and you only have your children around, it's actually passed to your children. So, mm. we'll not involve the grandchildren. Lah. Okay. So, that's still not too bad. Understand. But sometimes when you have, maybe say you have 30%, you bought this property with someone else, you have 30% and then say, unfortunately, lah, mm. uh, the uninventable happens and this 30% is being passed down to your children. As the beneficiary, sometimes they are not prepared for this. They did not know of this property and okay. they may not want the property actually. Came out of nowhere. Uh, yes. Maybe they're still alone. Uh, right? The loan, yes, sometimes they're still alone. Mm. They will have to actually see whether the estate can clear off the loan. Yeah, outstanding, the outstanding loan. loan. Mm, if mm. not, the beneficiaries do have to take up this responsibility as well. Okay, mm. I understand. Okay, so when we talk about selling, we'll come back to the living. <laughs> so usually <laughs> when we talk about selling, well, sometimes it, it is a case of I need to buy, I want to buy a new property. Mm, and yes. so therefore I have to sell my existing property. Mm. So there's it's a, it's two processes at the same Correct. time, right? Selling and, and buying. Mm. So how does a, a lawyer help to advise in this case? Uh, yes. So we do have clients who are doing both con- concurrently. So the dates are very sensitive here. So when you're selling the property and buying a new one, usually you're using your funds from the sale of your property to actually fund the purchase of your next property. Mm. So... um. It's not a direct transaction like, okay, today I sell, I can get money, I can pay for my next yeah, one the, the immediately. The timing needs to be right. Yes, the timing needs to be right, especially when there's CPF funds involved. Mm-hmm, mm. Mm. So uh, this is a common procedure, which is when you sell your property, your CPF funds, if you want to use it for the purchase of your next property, we recommend that there's a three weeks gap between the completion date. Okay, three is get between what and what? Ah, okay, so between the completion date of the sale of your property, mm. so you can get in all the monies, get everything back to your ordinary account, then the completion date for your purchase of the property where you pay everything will have to be three weeks later. Okay, that's your advice. But sometimes life mm. doesn't work out that way because there's a new <laughs> launch and I need to get it. I'm already in the queue number. <laughs> you know, yes, and, and I might or might not be you know in the process of selling it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so usually that's when uh, you have to look at your other financial financing options so one of the other kind of financing options would be to get a bridging loan so a lawyer will also have to come in and then do uh, there's additional legal works to be done for bridging loans because the bank is lending you this extra bit of money and usually is for a short term period of time so there will be some undertakings that you have to take out because they are relying on your reliance that you are selling this property Mm. and then the sale proceeds because you can't get it yet you are going to use this sale proceeds to pay back this amount. Mm, mm. Okay. So that's one of the other ways that we actually can advise our clients. So if they can't get the completion dates to actually match up lah in their mm. scenario, we can let them know what are your other options. Okay, but mm. I have to go get the bridging loan myself, right? Or other financing uh, means myself. Uh, yes, because for us, we can advise you mm. these are the documents, but you do have to approach the bank and then do to get your credit assessed and then the bank has to let you know that you are able to take this loan. Okay, but the whole idea of three weeks is, is very useful mm. or it mm. really is to safeguard yourself, making sure that Correct. you have enough uh, financing to help pay off <laughs> 
your, your new property that you're yes, going to buy, right? Correct. So three weeks between the completion of the sale mm. and, and then the, the buying of the new property. Correct. Ideally. Okay. Ideally is that range. Mm. Then that's why also some clients, uh, that's very frequently where it comes in where this idea of extension of stay or early possession comes in. Uh, mm, because you are three weeks stranded without a home. Right. <laughs> and usually sometimes, you know, you want to do your renovations before you move in to your next property. So... Uh, and most likely, the person you are buying from, the seller, also may be moving to another property. So it's like a domino effect. So somewhere along the line, someone has to give in mm. and say do uh, their own arrangements. So that's when where there may be an extension of stay. So for example, you are selling it, but your next property purchase is only in three weeks' time. Mm, so you need a place to stay. So that's when you can ask your seller, uh, can I get an extension? Maybe I can move out in maybe two months time. Just give me this two months time to build, uh, finish renovating my new place, then I can move over. Okay. Mm. On the opposite spectrum is that the purchaser themselves also want to move in earlier. Yes, so yes. maybe the purchaser will say, oh, I'm selling my property and I have to vacate by this day. Can you give me early possession of the property so that I can renovate first, then I can move in later. Mm, so it comes mm. down to the negotiations between yes, parties. correct. Okay. Mm. Also, if you have a three weeks break, does it, um, let's talk about the ABSD part. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, sometimes, you know, my friend tells me that mm. he, he wants to buy a new property, but how does the ABSD work? Because ah, he knows yes. he wants to sell, correct, but sometimes correct. you haven't sold. Mm. And then now you buy another property. So under your name, technically, there are two, there properties, are two properties under properties, your name. Yes. Okay, so for this, right, the dates that they actually look at, so just now I mentioned is completion date. Completion date is your legal completion when you are the legal owner. However, for payment of your tax, your stamp duties, it's always tied to the exercise of option dates. So this exercise of option date, right? Uh, because your stamp duties are always due 14 days after the exercise of option. Right now, this is only for private properties. Lah. Mm. So we focus a bit on private property first because okay. for HDB, it's slightly different. So this exercise of option date uh, will, will determine your stamp duties liabilities. So in your friend's example, he wants to buy a new property, but he already owns one property which he, plan- he plans to sell. So, uh, in this scenario, it is best that he sell the property, get the option exercise first, so that he doesn't have to come up with the monies for ABSD. Okay, so option exercise means I, from the mm. buyer, means mm. I don't need to pay the ABSD yes. for my new property. Yes, then, okay. then he can go and exercise his option for the next property, for the new property then he doesn't have to pay the 12%. Okay, because there's no such thing as clawing back, right? Okay, <laughs> you know, the like, let's, clawing back actually only works in one scenario, and one scenario only. This is when... Uh, married couple uh, is purchasing their next marital home, which mm. means they are buying the next property together and their first property they are selling. Mm. Okay, so, only their first property. Yes, correct. So uh-huh. a married couple owns one property now right. and they have bought their next property. They have to pay up the buyer's stamp duty and additional buyer's stamp mm. duty first. But if they sell their property, the first property within six months of the a purchase of their new property, they can re- apply for a remission of their ABSD. Mm, the full so, ABSD. Yes, 12%. So uh, IRAs will return back to them. Oh. Lah. So you mm. kind of have a, a six months, six you know, months runway to, to sell it. Correct. Grace, mm. Kind of like a grace, grace period. period. But this is only for married couples. Oh, <laughs> so, okay, okay. Yeah, so if you're a single owner, that's not possible. Any idea what's the reason 
behind um, this? What's this? the logic behind this? <laughs> I mean, policy. it's a government policy, <laughs> la. So yeah. uh, we can Not only too guess. To comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay. actually, it's to facilitate uh, married couples mm. moving into their matrimonial homes. For most of the time, it's because you know they want to buy a bigger place for their right. kids. Upgrading. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes. They have kids. Mm, mm. So that is to facilitate the moving of the okay. property, la, it's Like say, I give you a chance six months. Uh, you yes. better sell it, like. <laughs> I'm taking back your ABSD. Yeah. So there's a chance to get uh, back. Uh, what do you call it? Remission. Remission, yes, remission. of your ABSD. Mm, but you do have to have enough funds to pay up front first. Uh, so oh, to pay the ABSD to first. To pay the 12%, 12%. first. Mm. Yeah. So in this case, it's also quite difficult because, you know, it's quite a big sum of money. Mm. So you want to consider your options. That's why most of the cases, they do have a sale of the property first before they buy their next property. Okay, that's the best. Mm. Okay. Mm. You mentioned private property and then mm. HDB, what's ah, okay. the process? So HDB, right, the payment, the due date of their stamp duties is slightly different. So the due date of their stamp duties is uh, within 14 days from the approval letter from HDB. Mm. So then might not be the date where they exercise their option. So that is later on. La. So in, yeah. in that case, does it mean that I have a bit more time? You have a bit more time to mm. pay your stamp duties and also for HDB, uh, you are actually able to apply to a pay this stamp duty from your CPF as well. Okay, got it. So, well, before we wrap up this part of the conversation, any closing words, any last thoughts, anything you want to remind us about when it comes to selling your property in the whole legal process? <laughs> okay, so when you're selling your property, <laughs> one thing to look out for will be that you ensure that, you know, you are looking for the next place that you're going to stay in. You already have your financial plans in place. Um, just take note that if you sell your property, you need at least three weeks before you can use your funds for the purchase of your next property. Mm, okay. Mm. And for any inextures, in this case, I'm a seller. Mm, I can always okay. get the lawyer to help me with that, right? Mm, uh, yes. So if you have an extension of stay or if you're granting early possession to the purchasers, you can get the lawyers to look at your letters, that agreements bef- between you and the buyers. Okay. Mm. Thank you, Hui Yu. Mm, welcome. Thank you for listening all the way here. Stay after this outro because usually we have some bonus content right at the end. It's like the end credit scene of a movie. But before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. If you like more of this content, join our Telegram group, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter. For all this and more, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. My name is Andrew. Stay tuned for the next episode of Chill with the Financial Coconut. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I have three questions for you. Sure. Uh, this is more of a personal nature because we ask mm. our guests the same three questions. Okay. Find out more about you. So <laughs> what's one life core principle that you hold closely to? Um. Okay. So personally, I always like to make sure that, you know, whatever we do, we do it with the right intention, right mindset. So everything we do, I try my best to say, uh, provide the best service for our clients as far as possible, but also to ensure that, you know, 
we always provide uh, the best legal advice as well. So, you know, not all things in life can go your way. <laughs> mm. So this is something that I will always believe in and always think that, you know, whatever we do, we try our best to be kind to everyone as well. Okay. Well, finance podcast, so we also ask our guests, what's one piece of financial advice that you mm. think should be shared more often? But for you, I'll expand it a little bit more. Uh-huh. What's one piece of financial or legal advice that you think should be shared more often? In financial advice, there's so many things to take note of. But, well, be prudent in your spendings. Always plan for a rainy day. But I'm sure this is something that has been shared quite often. Mm, well, <laughs> yeah, but... if everybody practices that, right, then there mm. won't be people forfeiting their deposits for their property. <laughs> yeah, yes. So it, it is good advice, you know, something to think about, making sure that your cash flow, your financing, yes, everything is ready before order. you buy property. Mm. Yes, correct. Mm. For legal advice, it will be more of, you know, you, uh, legal advice for practical grounds like is that, you know, you can write everything down on paper, you have your agreements, but in reality, you know, you, there's always the practicality of how you want to carry out the transactions, how you want to negotiate. Mm, okay. My last question for you. Mm-hmm. What is one area of your life that you are giving additional focus right now? Oh, okay. That would be... Yeah, in front of my BD head, I want to say my career. Like, <laughs> because he go back. Yeah, he the go business back development head is here with yeah. us in the house. And then he go back and say, yeah. she not focused. Ah. <laughs> Focus on no, career. Like, mm, mm. Uh, I mean, um, in life, I think there's always work-life balance everywhere. So I'm quite fresh, uh, quite young. Like, hopefully you can tell that I'm quite young still. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, as, but you know your stuff very well. I mean, from the, the conversation that I had with you. Uh, okay, yeah. I practice with Apex for quite some time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, my boss have guided yeah, me yeah, well. Companies we have, train you well. Yes, mm. we have a lot of transactions also. So we have seen quite a few cases ongoing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, as a fresh graduate right now, I'm still at the starting point of my career. So I do want to focus on my career, but at the same time also on work life balance so just some personal facts is I also just got my BTO mm, okay, <laughs> so okay. yeah I got so my you know all the, the terms and conditions <laughs> you can yes, look at the contract yes. yourself wait do yes. you need to hire a lawyer <laughs> or do you uh, need to hire someone okay uh, I mean the collection of the key is five years later so maybe at that stage then I'll think about it <laughs> oh, okay okay yeah. okay because okay. Mm, it's BTO but, right yes, oh, but correct. the initial process you still need a lawyer right uh, oh no 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 for need. the application part you everything is handled by HDB so uh. so far for BTOs you just go down to pay the deposit your your two thousand dollars for selection and then also after that then you pay the exercise of the option lah, the balance okay. amount okay so the down five payment. years later we'll see uh, uh, last yes. time it used to be three to four years <laughs> now we're looking at five years <laughs> yeah, or six years. Five years it's really hard to foresee the future right now <laughs> mm, okay alright thank you for sharing with us okay. uh, thank you for sharing with us so much about the whole legal process I feel that I've, I've learned a lot I took a class like it's like legal one one for property buying and selling. Yes, I hope that was helpful. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for your... Come.